Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Highway Community Podcast. We're so glad to have you with us wherever it is that you're tuning in from. At Highway, we believe that as followers of Jesus, we are called to live as sent missionaries in our neighborhoods, schools, workplaces, and among the least of these, and that community plays a vital role in that. If you want to join us as we live into Jesus's greatest commandment, to love God with our whole selves and to love our neighbors as ourselves, you can head over to highway.org and click engage in the upper right-hand corner to connect with one of our different ministry areas or click connect to reach out to one of our pastors with a question or a prayer request. Whether you're here in the Bay Area or not, we'd love to connect with you. I wanted to start our time with a story. Have you ever had one of those moments uh, where when you just stop and take a step back and you're like, what am I doing? Who is this person? Uh, Where what you see doesn't quite match up with how you picture yourself. I had one of those moments recently. Now, I like to think of myself as level-headed, cool under pressure, good in a crisis. And with that information, Let me tell you about two Wednesdays ago. Uh, Some important pieces that will all come together in this story. First is sometimes I exercise by riding my road bike hooked up to a stationary trainer in the garage. Second, our kids have gymnastics class on Wednesday afternoons. Third, the yard crew our landlords hired also comes on Wednesday afternoons around the same time. And fourth, we have chickens. I was taking a work-from-home break to get some exercise on the bike in the garage uh, when Brittany left to take the girls to gymnastics. I waved, said goodbye, and got back to the process of trying to not die in this workout, which was very hard, when I saw the yard crew pull up out of the garage window. I thought, that's nice. The guys are here. I hope they're doing well. And got back to the business of trying to not die. And you know those moments... You know, when you're just overcome with this sense that you've forgotten to do something, and it's just like bugging you and bugging you, and you're like, what is it? In the midst of trying to not die, I was feeling this way, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I was supposed to put the chickens away before the yard crew got here. And so I hopped off the bike, and, and let me paint this scene for you. I'm wearing spandex bike shorts, I am drenched in sweat, and I'm wearing those clippy-cloppy bike shoes, and so I sort of waddle over to the door open it and see the gate from our yard out to the street open and chickens running everywhere. Now we only have five chickens, but in that moment, emotionally, it felt like 20. Now, what would be the first thing that someone who is level-headed, cool under pressure, and good in a crisis would do? Well, Well, they'd shut the gate. What did I do? I chased the chickens for like 10 minutes. In my spandex and in my clippy clippy bike shoes. And you know what? Those shoes are hard to run in and the chickens were too fast for me. So I grabbed a rake, you know, to try to help corral them in. And I had a chicken in one arm and was sliding around, swiping at another one with the rake when I hit that moment where I was like, who am I right now? And I said a prayer thanking the Lord Jesus for the inventor of the fence so that none of my neighbors could see that. It would have been so embarrassing to be seen in this moment that is so opposite of who I want to be. And sometimes we get the gift of privacy in those moments. But other times there's no fence. And it's a moment like that that we're going to talk about today. When our perception of who we thought we were comes crashing down. What do we do when that happens? And how can those moments that are so hard 
actually be used for good. We're in a series called Stations of the Cross, where we're engaging the season of Lent by doing something followers of Jesus around the world have done for a really long time. And that's being intentional to reflect on the moments that led up to the cross. To enter into Jesus' suffering, his isolation, the loneliness of that journey. And in doing so, to feel the expanse of his love and the cost that he bore. And a part of that journey to the cross was a moment with Peter, where how Peter saw himself came crashing down around him. And while we look at that moment for Peter, and maybe see ourselves in his story a little bit too, I want us to remember that this is a station of the cross, that this moment took place in the middle of, probably contributed to, Jesus's suffering and sense of isolation. And I want us to ask this question. Who or what does Jesus see? In in this moment for Peter, in in the midst of the suffering and isolation, which took place in the middle of a sham trial at the high priest's house, who does Jesus see? Because when we look at Jesus's response, we'll see that these stations that are filled with so much tragedy and so much pain also hold so much beauty and so much love that we can hold on to, that can be our firm foundation when we hit moments like this in our own lives. As we get started this morning, would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your love and for your grace. We thank you for this opportunity to stop and engage the scriptures. Jesus, I pray in your name that you would open our hearts and minds to hear what you have to say to us today. We love you. We do this for you. We pray these things in and for your name. Amen. Our passage for today comes from Luke chapter 22. And as we work our way there, uh, before we look at this moment between Peter and Jesus, I I want us to look back briefly at what led us here. Because something broke real bad for Peter about how he saw himself. And I want us to look back and see Peter's steps, how Peter responded to Jesus in the moments leading up to our passage for today, because they give us a really helpful grid to perhaps recognize that same pattern in our own lives. So the story arc that peaks in our passage today started at the Last Supper, when Jesus told his disciples something none of them wanted to hear, that one of them was going to betray him. And it made everyone so uncomfortable that they all lost their minds a little bit. And do you remember this scene? Uh, John talked about it a few weeks ago. And the first thing the disciples did was to try to distance themselves from this hard thing that Jesus was telling them. Mark 14, starting in verse 18. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, truly, I tell you, One of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And the madness ensues from there. Verse 19, they were saddened, and one by one, they said this to him, Surely you don't mean me. You're not talking about me, right, Jesus? The first thing they try to do is distance themselves from what Jesus is telling them will happen. And Luke adds this really interesting twist to the conversation that happens next. Uh, Like our core text for today, it's also in chapter 22, starting in verse 23. It writes this, They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who could do this. Of course, right? It's like the Game of Clue, the Last Supper edition. Bartholomew with the dagger in the temple courts. Uh, Continuing in verse 24, 
A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Because of course it did. See, after the disciples tried to distance themselves, they went straight to defensiveness. It can't be me, uh, because let me tell you about how great I am and all the things that I've done. I'm one of the good ones, that Bartholomew on the other hand. And can you just imagine what this moment must have been like for Jesus? He's just basically said, I'm about to suffer a lot. And you, one of you, my trusted and closest friends, is, is going to kick it off. And they just totally make that moment about themselves. They don't see Jesus at all. And can you imagine what this moment must have been like for Jesus? It, it doesn't stop there, though. <laughs> There's one more thing. After they finished the meal, they headed towards the Garden of Gethsemane. And Mark picks up the conversation in chapter 14, verse 27. You will all fall away, Jesus told them. He's just in a great mood right now. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. He's trying to get them to understand what he's saying. Verse 29, Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Verse 30, truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. Very clear. Verse 31. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. The disciples distanced themselves. Then they defended themselves. And here on the walk to the garden, we see that defensiveness turn into defiance. And Jesus tells Peter what's going to happen. Look back at verse 31. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. It's a compelling thought to consider that Peter's denial of Jesus actually began here. With his unwillingness to accept what Jesus was saying to him. After all, he was the rock, right? The one Jesus was going to build his church upon. And rocks don't fall away, do they? See, this is what can happen when the way that we see ourselves gets challenged, isn't it? And so I want us to recognize this as a pattern of human behavior when we are confronted with something about ourselves that we don't like. We distance ourselves. Surely you don't mean me. We get defensive. Let me tell you all the reasons why I'm so great and could never have done or never would do such a thing. And then we get defiant. We stop listening and become unwilling to receive and consider what's being said to us. Like, has anyone ever done this? And it's totally a trick question, because if you say no, it's like C.1, distancing yourself. Surely you don't mean me. I want us to get familiar with this pattern, though, to learn to recognize it in ourselves, like because it's natural, it's going to happen, and because it can be like a check engine light coming on in your car. A signal that something is not right. It's an invitation to dig deeper into questions like, why am I reacting this way? And what am I afraid of? Because I think what we'll find when we're in this reactiveness cycle is that we're living off center, disconnected from the unconditional, unchanging love that God has for us. You know, we might know it with our minds, but we're not living rooted in it, which makes it really hard to face difficult truths about ourselves. 
or how our actions have impacted other people. Those moments when who we are doesn't match who we want to be and there's no fence to hide behind. And recognizing this pattern can be an invitation to return back to that place of belovedness, which is our firm foundation in moments like this. And why I love this particular station so much. Because many of us know how this goes for Peter once Jesus gets arrested. And even if we didn't, Jesus already told us what was going to happen in the passage we just read. So let's take a look at our passage for today in Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 54. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little while later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Have you ever had that moment where how you saw yourself, where who you were so sure that you were, or who you were so sure that you weren't, just breaks? It's awful. I totally get Peter's response. But as painful as they are, these are crucial moments in our lives. They're an inflection point. See, from this moment, Peter's story can end a number of different ways. And the same is true for us. And so how do we respond in these moments? And because it can be so easy to just shut down to let shame have the last word in how we see ourselves or how we see our future. And shame sounds like I am statements. I'm a failure. I'm unlovable. I'm unfixable. I'm unforgivable. And sometimes those words come from inside us. But sometimes they're actually spoken over us. Because sometimes there's no fence in these moments. And other people are involved. And they say things. And instead of I am, it's you are statements. You are not enough. You are ignorant. You are a waste of time. You are too much. And those stick with us. Are you carrying any of those today? And look, even if we move on, they still linger with us. Like this question that asks, what if in the back of our minds. And what if they're right? What if these thoughts I'm trying so hard to run from or tell myself aren't real or actually true? What if I am this way? Then what will happen? In this moment, there was no offense for Peter. And Luke makes it clear that he was seen. 
Verse 56, the servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. Verse 58, a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. There was no fence for Peter. Jesus saw him too. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Jesus, bound up, exhausted, exposed, on trial by the very people he came to save. Jesus, who knew this was going to happen, looks at Peter. He looks straight at him. And like John said a couple of weeks back, there were no words of condemnation, just a look. Here's a question I want to ask. What does Jesus see? What does Jesus see when he looks at Peter in this moment? Because this is really the question, isn't it? When how we see ourselves breaks, when we're confronted with the reality that at least in this moment we are not who we want to be, what does God see? Now, I want to break from station's tradition just for a moment and fast forward to one of the next times Jesus sees Peter after his resurrection. When Peter and a few others had gone back to fishing, had been out all night and hadn't caught anything. Jesus called out to them from the shore to throw their nets on the other side of the boat. And they caught so many fish, their nets almost broke. And they knew it was Jesus, but they were too ashamed, too scared to say so. Because they had all run away. Doubted, betrayed, denied. And they got to shore and a meal of some fish and some bread was cooking over a fire. A reminder of a meal they had shared before and had gotten to see just a glimpse of the abundance of God's kingdom. And Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Each time Peter replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And the third one hurt. Peter had to get what was going on. Three denials, three questions. Do you love me? But listen to this. Each time he says yes, Jesus replies, feed my sheep. Something, actually, a leader of the early church would do. See, but those words, Jesus was restoring Peter back to who he said he would become. And if we flash back to the station, to this courtyard outside of the chief priest's house, here's what we see. Peter sees and feels the weight of his denial. And Jesus, suffering, alone, betrayed, and denies, looks straight at him and sees the rock he will build his church upon. He sees Peter's denial, but he doesn't define him by it and will restore him back into who he was always meant to be. It's so easy to define ourselves by our worst moments. Or to let others define us by them. Like we all have them. Sometimes rocks fall away. And what I love about this station is that it reminds us that when how we see ourselves breaks, the way God sees us stays the same. And Lent is a season of returning to God in repentance. 
And like, even if our experiences with other people tell us to expect anger, guilt, shame, condemnation, harmful I am's or you are's, what we see in Jesus is the embodiment of what Paul writes in Romans 2, the kindness of God, the mercy, the compassion, the love of God that leads us to repentance. And so when we hit moments like Peter does here, and we get flooded with all of those what-if questions. What if this is true? What if I am this way? What if that person is actually right about me? All those what-if questions that can shut us down and actually keep us trapped in this cycle of needing to distance ourselves or get defensive, even defiant, because we're so afraid of what will happen if those questions are true. See, what the station reminds us of is that when we hit moments like this, when how we see ourselves breaks the way God sees us stays the same. And when we live connected to that truth, those what-if questions can start to become even-if statements instead. Even if we get it wrong, even if we have some work to do, even if there's some real brokenness that we weren't aware of, even if we've internalized some hard things that have been said about us or that we've said about ourselves, how, we, how God sees us doesn't change. See, it's the love of God that carries us through these moments that is our firm foundation and helps us engage them, not just as a means for our own good, but for the good of those around us and God's kingdom purposes in the world. Look, because these are crucial moments in our lives. See, our belovedness doesn't free us from accountability. It sustains and fuels the journey of healing and transformation that God wants to do in our lives. See, love creates the context for the courage we need for things like peacemaking and reconciliation, which are both things that have to start with what's real. And facing that reality can be really hard. We might not like what we see. But shutting down in shame or in fear actually keeps us from stepping into these moments that God wants to lead us into. It's love that creates the context for the courage that we need in these crucial moments of our lives. And I want to offer that phrase, even if, as a reminder to carry going forward. When we find ourselves in moments like Peter when how we see ourselves gets challenged or even breaks, and we find ourselves in that cycle of creating distance and being defensive and defiant, stop, let's stop, and ask, what am I afraid of? And let's let Jesus remind us of his love, how he sees us, even if it's true. That's fuel for the soul. That's the safe place we need to open ourselves fully to the work that God wants to do in us. One last thing before we wrap up today. Uh, maybe you're with us today and you really identify with Peter. Or maybe you identify with Jesus in this moment. And maybe you've taken the risk to be vulnerable and shared a hard truth. And whoever was on the other side lost their mind a bit, made it about themselves, 
totally miss you, only making it hurt worse? And who are the Peters in your life? And when you look at them, who do you see? It can be so easy to define others by their worst moments. But let's let the beauty of Jesus' response in the midst of the tragedy of this station press on us a little bit and see if we can't make space in our hearts and our minds for God to help us see our Peters as he does. Because we'll all hit moments like this when how we see ourselves comes crashing down. And when it happens, let's see it as an invitation to stay rooted in how Jesus sees us. The love that God has for us that creates the context for the courage that we need to grow, to heal, to step into the life that he created us to live. And let's seek to see each other in the same way. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your scriptures. Jesus, it's incredible, actually, to stop and reflect and look back on how you responded in these moments. It's so beautiful. You love us so much. God, I pray for us as a church community that as we continue to engage in this practice that your followers have done for such a long time, as we enter into your suffering and your isolation on the way to the cross, God, that it would grow our love for you. That we would see the cost that you bore in your love for us. That love that is our firm foundation when the way that we want to see ourselves comes crashing down around us. And God, I pray that that would grow our love for you. You're so good. We thank you for loving us. I pray these things in and for your name. Amen. Amen.